We are uh, looking here uh, today. I want to talk to you. We're actually approaching, well, um, the next week is uh, the culmination of our prayer emphasis about the uh, Lord. Uh, we've been praying for the last, well, not quite to be, what, this 36th day, I think it is. 36th day, we've been praying, Lord, use Mount Hope for your glory. And we're going to try to, we're going to culminate that next week. I don't really want to because the Lord's been working in my life so much as I have made it a habit to, uh, to pray that. I'm going to continue praying that actually. Lord, use Mount Hope for your glory. Use me for your glory. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, can continue to talk, talk about that. Let's see if I got this on here, Kim. You can, you can flick it if it's not working right here. There it is. I want to talk about harvest points on our way to heaven. Harvest points on our way to heaven. Um, on Wednesday nights, we've been studying the book of John, and uh, uh, the way it has worked out, we've been really focusing a lot of time on John chapter 4. And if you know your Bibles, I know you do, you know the story of the lady at the well, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and how Jesus, uh, <clears throat> the Bible says there, John says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And you know how Samaria uh, it was, is, there was a, there's Judea down here at the bottom, then Samaria, then Galilee. Jesus would oftentimes travel between, you know, Judea and Galilee, and he would have to travel through Samaria. Most of the Jews would walk, would walk around Samaria because they didn't, they hated the Samaritans. They were half-breed Jews. They were half, they were, they were, they were almost next to pagans as far as the Jews were concerned, uh, because they had, um, during the exile in back, back in the, the exile, uh, the Babylonian exile, excuse me, um, they had stayed in uh, Judah, they had stayed in Israel, and had um, intermarried with the pagan cultures. So they weren't looked upon very, very, very nicely by the Jews. And in this, before I read this the text, I just want to give, this, give you this background. Jesus, he has sent the disciples into town to get some food. He's, he's tired, they're tired, they're all hungry, and he's just by the well there. He's waiting by, it's Jacob's well. It was a well from the Old Testament. Uh, Jacob had given the city of Sychar um, that well, and um, he was sitting there. It's about noontime, and uh, nobody comes out to get water at noontime because it's too hot. Everyone's already come out early in the morning, but there comes a woman out, and uh, it's a Samaritan woman. That tells you something right off the bat that she's by herself. She's not with any friends. And so she's, there's something different about her life. There's, she must be looked down upon or maybe what you could say would be an outcast because of her lifestyle. So Jesus begins to engage her in conversation and talking about how he could give her living water. And um, he's trying to, um, he's trying to, uh, how should I say, he's trying to awaken her spiritually. He's trying to awaken her. And uh, she, again, they go back and forth in conversation. And Jesus finally gets to the point where he has to confront her sin. That uh, she's trying to evade questions and everything. But he finally says, uh, well, you should go get your husband. You know, because uh, first of all, it wasn't exactly proper, proper for a man to talk to a woman in public that long. And so he said, you better go get your husband. And that was actually a... Um, uh, um, a, 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 a step in trying to get her to confess her sin because she said I have no husband and Jesus said you're right 
you've had five husbands and the one you're with now is not your husband. And so that immediately just, you know, he, he brought the elephant in the room right out into the middle, didn't he? And, uh, of course, the woman eventually, she, she tries to sidetrack him and starts talking about other issues. And Jesus, though, uh, very kindly and very reasonably just brings the truth of God to her and begins again telling her that, that um, the Messiah is coming. And well, she actually says that. She said, well, when the, when, the, when the Messiah comes, he's going to help us to know all these wonderful truths. And Jesus says, I am the Messiah. Her life is changed because she is so excited she leaves her water jar there by the well and runs back into town to tell her neighbors. And that's where I want to pick up this scripture here. Just then Jesus, just then his disciples I should say, came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. It's important to notice that. The people came streaming from the village to see him. And meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus, Jesus replied, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. Now, of course, Jesus has been hungry. That's why he, they went into town. But he's telling them, I have a kind of food that you know, you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Let's say that again. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest? But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe, or they're white, for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit of the, they, that they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant, and others have already done the work. And now you will get to gather the harvest. Hmm. Very frustrating scripture for me growing up. But it's a wonderful, fantastic revelation that Jesus is giving to these disciples. And I think God wants to give us this morning about what the harvest is, that there is harvest points for all of us on our way to heaven. I'm praying today and I'm, that we will see and understand what this asking God to use us for His glory is all about. I'm praying today that that's the God will really make that plain to us. Well, Lord... Use Mount Hope for your glory. And again, this is the 36th day. We began March 27th that we have been endeavoring to pray that simple prayer every day. And I'd like to provide you an opportunity next Sunday to share. We're just going to take a little time next Sunday and share how God has used this seeking of his face in your, in your life. Uh, next Sunday will be the 43rd day. We were targeting May 8th. Um, that's Mother's Day, isn't it? Yeah. 
And don't you guys forget, it's Mother's Day. And um, that's, we're just going to take a little time and share next, next week about that. I hope you've been able to continue uh, this little prayer of supplication. The su- supplication, actually, that word means, it means the act of asking something earnestly, for something earnestly and humbly. And uh, if you've forgotten uh, a few days, uh, don't let that bother you. If you've forgotten to pray that prayer, don't let that bother you. It's an effort to form a new habit. It, re- it really is. It takes effort, and uh, God's, God understands. But just, just pick up where you forgot. Just, just pick up, you know, and, uh, you know, where, you, where you've been reminded here and just begin again. And if, if you've not been seeking the Lord with that simple prayer, I just want to encourage you. You've got a whole week left here. Um, I just want to encourage you to begin today. Get, get an index card right on there. You know, Lord, use Mount Hope for your glory. And you're basically saying, use me for your glory. And just, just put it on an index card. Put it on your mirror in the morning. And the first thing you do when you brush your teeth, just pray that prayer. You know, just pray that prayer. That's all. That's all. It's, it's, it's been that, that simple to do. We've placed the prayer on our church marquee the last uh, ser- several weeks, uh, just hoping that that would be a, just, just a good reminder to help everyone. You say, PD, um, aren't you making a really a big deal about, about this? And I say, yes, I am. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit is quick to notice. You know, the Bible says that if the Holy Spirit is quick to notice even the smallest bird that falls to the ground, Jesus told us in, in Matthew chapter 10. You know, God actually knows every bird that falls to the ground. If he sees that, loved ones, I'm here to tell you, he'll hear the, the, the smallest, sincerest, earnest prayer extended to heaven. You say, well, PD, I don't feel very sincere. All I'm, I'm just saying a prayer. Well, let me tell you something. If you just begin acting like you have faith, that you believe God exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, Pretty soon, if you just pray that prayer, you just, just go ahead and say, you know, I don't feel anything about it, but I'm just going to do it. You just do it. Pretty soon your feelings will catch up with your actions. Your feelings will catch up with your actions. God will honor you if you honor him. That's the truth. The biggest thing this simple prayer, I think, will do in your life is this. It's going to open your heart to hear from God. It'll open your heart to hear from God. It'll open your heart, open your life up to his influence. I remember as a parent, uh, many, many times I recall when trying to really communicate and emphasize something important to my children, I would try to look them right in the face and make sure they were looking me in the face and making sure they could understand my words. (laughs) I would look them in the eye and ask them, are you listening to me? Are you listening? And I know all of us who have had kids have done that. Are you listening to me? Because it doesn't seem like you are. <laughs> are you listening to me? And um, I would try to get them to, to you know, respond. And uh, I even would ask them to repeat back to me what I said. And uh, uh, it, didn't still, it didn't necessarily still mean that they were listening. But, uh, you know, I did the best I could. If they, if they hadn't listened, it'd be evident soon, soon enough. <laughs> and the consequences would fall. But, but Jesus would often in his sermons especially in uh, Matthew, um, and, uh, and he, he would, and also uh, Luke, I, I believe, believe it is, he would end his sermons uh, with this, and this isn't working very good, there you go, okay. Um, these little phrases, he'd say, NIV, is, in, in the New Living Translation, it says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. In NIV, he says, whoever has ears, let him hear. King James, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is telling us, loved ones here, that if you are blessed with spiritual hearing, 
then be sure to heed God's truth. Uh, to see the hidden things of God requires spiritual eyes and ears. And that is what this prayer is all about. It's, it's um, learning to hear God. Learning you're, you're doing something to saying, God, I'm here. If you want to speak to me, I'm here. I, if you want to show me something, I'm here. Lord, uh, use me for your glory today. That's what this is all about. Uh, Jesus said again, whoever that ears, let him hear. Um, can to, to see and to hear the hidden things that God requires, spiritual eyes and ears. Hunger for spiritual truth uh, requires these awakened senses. It, and, and to love the things that God requires, a new heart requires a, a refreshed and a, a re-energized spiritual heart. Loved ones, I cannot emphasize to you enough this morning how important it is for you to be able to discern God's activity in your life. You don't want to come down the end of your life and say, I hope I'm ready. You don't want to do that. I, I hope that I'm ready. I mean, i got a brother-in-law right now. His, we're just praying that he'll be able to hear God's voice. He'll be able to, at this last moment in his life, hear God's voice. He's, he's got this pride problem that he, I shared with our prayer group on Wednesday night that he thinks it's not right to come God at the last minute. You know, he hasn't lived for God all his life, so it's not right for me to come now. <laughs> I say, you know what? That's just like pride, you know. Uh, I got to tell you, God says you got to humble yourself. Yeah, you don't deserve salvation. You got to humble yourself and just do what God says. That's the only way you're going to get to heaven. It's so important that we be able to discern God's activity in our life now. Now. You shouldn't be in doubt about that. We, shouldn't, we don't need to be in doubt about that. We, we need to know that, that He walks with me and talks with me. And He tells me that I am what? His own. Yeah. And we need to not just live our life bumbling along, but we need to Live our life knowing that He is with us and that we are in connection with Him and that we know He is actively at work in us. Amen? And simply praying, Lord, use Mount Hope for your glory is like going, I think it's like going to the ear specialist and having them remove excessive earwax from your ears, which uh, has prevented you from hearing clearly. I love watching those YouTubes where they're digging the wax out. Oh man, don't, don't you love that? I love that. You know, someone goes in, it's all full, and they're, they're pulling out these, you know, three-foot-long pieces of wax. And it's, it's, it's not quite that long, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, of course, it's not physical earwax I'm talking about here today that's plugging your ear canal, but, but it, maybe it's this. It's spiritual dullness in your soul, which is one way in preventing you from hearing what God is saying to you. And in another way, maybe your dullness is preventing you from seeing what God is doing around you. The disciples were having that problem. They didn't see what God was doing around them. They were concerned. Anybody hungry yet? Come on, let's eat. Jesus was saying, hey, don't you guys see what's happening here? The simple prayer, this simple prayer, loved ones, it reveals our need to depend upon God daily and constantly for his help with our 
uh, with my spiritual hearing and seeing. My friends, all of us are busy, 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 busy. I, all of us in some form or other, even retired folks are, are no less busy than when they were uh, younger, uh, when they were younger and working. Plus, our lives are always changing in some way, demanding that we give ourselves away in, in an extra manner to help our children or aging parents or a needy family member or a friend. Let me tell you, the needs around us and the needs upon us are plentiful, aren't they? Yes, even to me, they even can be overwhelming at times. Uh, the marital problems that they know that our um, people have that they bring to you, the, the physical health needs, the financial needs, the relationship issues that are going on. And Jesus reminded us that our souls are like a, like a, like a spiritual soil bed. And, uh, and um, he talks about this in Matthew and 13 and Mark 4 and Luke 8, that just like the quality of the soil dramatically affects the quality of produce in a vegetable or a flower garden, so the quality and the actions of your soul affect the fruit of your spiritual life. Did you understand that? The, let me say it again. The quality and the actions of your soul affect the fruit of your spiritual life. The effectiveness, the benefit of God's word, God's influence, God's activity in your life depends upon the type of soil you allow yourself to be. Jesus is so plain about that. He said, but PD, we don't have any control over that. You know, oh, you're very mistaken. You do have control. You do have a, a decision to make, a choice to make. What, what quality of soil your, your, your soul is going to be made up of. You know, you know that, that parable, the, 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 the sower and the soils. Your relationship with God, loved one, is not fatalistic. It's, it's not like God has predestined you to be forever spiritually weak or forever spiritually, you know, lost. Now, God provides the grace. And we, when we say grace, when we say God gives us grace, it means this. He gives us the, the enabling. He enables us. He doesn't do it for us. He gives us the enabling that we can do it. That's what grace is. It's divine favor. He's, he's, you know, you can't take a bath yourself. I mean, you know, you need me to provide you the soap and the water. So here's the soap and water, but I'm, I'm not going to wash you. You got to do it. You know, the grace is there for us, but there's things we have to do too. God provides that enabling to you to make choices that we're gonna, that's going to enhance and increase your soul's capacity to hear Him better and to see His activity more clearly in your life. And that's why we pray that prayer. Lord, yeah, use me for your glory. You're the only way. I'm depending upon you to help that happen. Amen? So in other words, you don't have to be satisfied, loved ones, with a shallow response in your commitment to, to God. Kind of like when Jesus talked about you know, the, the, the shallow, rocky soil. But I think the thing that is troubling most of us, most of the time, at least it, this is, you know, but like, you know, for a lot of folks, when, the, when the going gets tough, they just back out on God. That's the shallow, rocky soil. They're, they just back out on God. They, they don't really hang in there very, very long at all. But I think most of us deal with this next one. This next one is the, is the, is the, the thorny soil. That's, that's complicated. 
if you have thorns in your life, if you have the thorns are all the responsibilities of life. All those people who need your help. You know, your aging parents, your your sick child, you know, the all the all the things that come that weigh you down. That's those are the thorns. And Jesus said that that sometimes the those of us who hear the gospel, we're we're trying to grow in the soil that's supporting all these other things. And they tend to cause us, well, um, uh, things seem awful crowded. They crowd our response to God like, like a mismanaged, like we, we're mismanaging things, like we're putting emphasis on the wrong things and we're forgetting about God. And that's what the thorns want to do. The thorns want to press God to the outskirts of your life, you see. The responsibilities of, that are good responsibilities, they're important responsibilities, but they're not the top responsibility. Those things are, are good and they're trying to push the best out of your life, or at least to the, to, the, to the outskirts of your life, to the fringes of your life. And loved ones, believe me, I know it is so easy to become like that thorny, overcrowded, mismanaged soil that soon causes your soul to begin to wither under the stress of problems and of needs. I have to confess to you that I often feel the, uh, the prick of noble and good things, spiritual thorns, if, if you will, trying to crowd the Lord to the, out to the edges of my life. I'm talking about, I, that's the truth. And if I allow that to happen, I begin to wither spiritually. I feel like I'm I'm losing my connection to the Lord. I'm losing my strength and my energy. And I suddenly become hard hearing spiritually. And I get cataracts begin clouding my vision, my spiritual vision. One of my favorite musicals here is uh, The Sound of Music. I only like that because Becky cultured me years ago. She taught me, she cultured my soul years ago when I first met her. But... Um, the Sound of Music, one of my, it's one of my favorites. Uh, and one of my favorite scenes in The Sound of Music is when Captain Von Trapp, he has just returned home with a friend named uh, Max Detweiler and a potential wife by the name of uh, Baroness Von Schrader. You might remember this movie this, these, and these, these characters. Captain Von Trapp is a very patriotic officer of the Austrian Navy, and he abhors the Nazis who have begun to take control of Austria. There's one particular scene where all three of them are on the terrace. They're on this terrace. And uh, um, Captain Von Trapp encounters a young boy who is a Nazi soldier delivering a telegram uh, for Max. And Captain Von Trapp, he grabs the telegram <laughs> and tells the, tells the young Nazi soldier just to get out of here. Baroness von Schrader exclaims, Oh, Georg, he's just a boy. Captain von Trapp responds, Yes, and I'm just an Austrian. <laughs> and at this point, Max, who is politically neutral, says, What's going to happen is going to happen. Just make sure it doesn't happen to you. Captain von Trapp explodes. And he says, Max, don't you ever say that again. Max responds, you know I have no political convictions. Can I help it if other people do? To which Captain Von Trapp sadly responds, oh yes, you can help it. You must help it.
Loved ones, that is the attitude we must have in our love for Jesus. There may be all kinds of legitimate, good, thorny responsibilities in our life that we have to manage, have to take care of. And then we got this thing of our relationship with God. Sometimes we're tempted to push it aside and, and not give it the priority that it needs. We're not thinking about God using us for his glory. We've got too many things to do. I'm here to tell you that we must manage it. We must. Focus our attention upon doing God's will for our life and finishing His work. It needs to be the top priority, like it was Jesus. We must make sure that God uses us for His glory. That's why we have to just be so determined to pray here that the Lord would use us for His glory to keep our eyes and our ears open. In John chapter 4, Jesus purposely leads His 12 disciples through Samaria. Like I said before, on this trip back to Galilee, Again, usually all the Jews would go around Samaria, traveling between Galilee and Judea because Samaritans were despised by the Jews as half-breed, compromising sinners. The Jews just hated the Samaritans, but Jesus had to travel through it, John says, for a very important reason. Jesus, again, is tired and hungry due to the long journey. He sends the disciples into Sychar to get food while he waits next to, the, to a well. To a, a, a well. And, and the, so about noontime, uh, there's a, a Samaritan woman all by herself comes out to the well to get water. And to her astonishment, Jesus engages her in conversation and Jesus slowly endeavors to awaken her spiritual hunger for God. But in order to do this, he eventually again has to confront her sin. And in this case, it was her immorality, her sexual immorality. Slowly the woman, slowly she becomes and begins to understand her need to repent and that Jesus is truly the Messiah. And so she quickly leaves the well, runs back to town. However, John notes that she left her water jar behind, so that meant that she was going to come back. In the meantime, those 12 disciples return with food and they're shocked that Jesus has been conversing with the Samaritan woman. The rushing woman, as she, she rushed into town, she's excitedly sharing with the people about Jesus. Come and see a man who's told me everything about my life. But back at the well is what I want to talk to you about, What's what is because I think that's pertinent for us this morning. Back at the well, the disciples were pushing Jesus to eat something. If you will, it was one of those thorns. <laughs> that they were pushing up in Jesus' face. Eat. Eat something. I, we went and got the food for you, you know. 
We just got back, you know, from McDonald's. We just got back from Chick-fil-A. It's time to eat before the food gets cold. And, uh, but they were trying to push, they were pushing that. And uh, again, there's nothing wrong with eating when you're hungry, for crying out loud. But Jesus is getting ready to teach the disciples this very important lesson. And again, he said this, and I'll just read it to you again. He said, I have a kind of food that you, you know nothing about. And they said, did someone bring him food while we were gone? Disciples asked. Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Jesus had, the, he had this work, personal work that he had to accomplish. And so do we. We have a personal work that God wants us to accomplish. You know the saying, four months between planting and then harvest? But I say to you, look up. <laughs> Wake up, I should say, and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. In Jewish culture, this was a saying, four months between planting and harvest. It meant that first we plant, and then we don't do anything. We just wait. That's what it meant. That's what that saying was. Jesus is saying, that may work, that's true, when you're planting seeds in the ground, but he's saying that isn't true when it comes to God doing his glory in your life. He's saying, that's actually what he's saying. He's saying, listen, that's, you know, that, that's true when you're farming here, but that's not true. That's not true when it comes to a spiritual harvest. Because he said, wake up. You know, other people have already planted. They've already planted. Now you need to be aware that harvest is all around you. You don't have to wait. Harvest is all around you. That's what he's trying to tell them. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. The ones Jesus is trying to show the disciples that their focus is wrong. They are consumed with their need for food. Now, again, food is necessary, but Jesus is saying, listen, this isn't the most important thing. He's trying to show the disciples, don't you see what's happening? Don't you see the people streaming out of the town coming? They're wanting to know about this gospel that we're preaching. They're wanting to know. Can't you see? Hey, guys, look. You're, consume, you're concerned all about eating lunch, but there's people coming. People are coming. My nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And this is part of the work right here. There'll be time for food. I'm not going to pass out or anything. There'll be time to eat. But this is most important. Yes, so we're going to push these thorns back here. And we're going to focus on what really matters here. That's what Jesus was trying to teach them. That my first food is, is from doing God's will and finishing the work he assigned to me. You know, at the same time, again, these people, as they began, as they began streaming out of town, Jesus was just trying to get them to focus on doing God's will and finishing the work he had for them to do as well. Wake up! Look, look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Loved ones, the point is that God, what Jesus is trying to show us, is that God has harvest points for us all around. You say, but pastor, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a preacher like you. You don't have to be. That's not what this is about. This is about God using you for his glory. But you have to see it. You have to see the need around you first before you can act 
Canada, the boys and I, um, we've gone up to Canada for years back in the wilderness. And a lot of times we would hike places. We would hike over boulders and hike through fields of, of real scratchy brush and everything. And always keeping our eyes peeled for either bear or wolves or moose or whatever. But also, a lot, a lot of times as we're walking, we'll come upon a clump of wild blueberries. I mean, they weren't everywhere, but there was, well, here's a, here's a patch of wild blueberries. Guess who gets to eat right now? And we were, we, we, we just, we'd harvest those. I mean, then we'd, we'd walk a little further. They, they weren't everywhere, but all of a sudden there's another. Here, here's a harvest point. We found some more blueberries. Loved ones, that's the way it is in our lives, too. That if we keep our eyes open, we're praying, Lord, use me for your glory. Therefore, the Lord will open your eyes and your ears. And as you're living your life, as you're going to work, suddenly there is, it'll, it'll come to you. You'll, there'll be an opportunity <laughs> to influence somebody for Jesus. You're not standing up here preaching. You're not, you're not being like an evangelist. I mean, you could if you wanted to, but, but the point is, God has brought you, to, brought you to a situation where he says, uh, David, I've brought someone to you here. Now, you've asked me to open your eyes, to open your ears, because the field is white with harvest. There's, there's people I'm going to be bringing to you, situations. This person needs encouragement today. You need to build them up. This person needs a, a word of warning today. You need to lovingly give them a little nudge in the right direction. And this person could use an apple pie today. I'm not that one he would talk to you about that, but it would be Becky, you know. You know, he'd say, this person could use something. Could you, you know, that's what Jesus is talking about here. That all of us are needed by the Lord. The Lord uses all of us, loved ones, to bring people to Jesus. I mean, it could be that, you know, there's, there's 30 people who have brought meals to a family. And it might, maybe it's taken three or four months, and then suddenly one person comes in, and, and the person is open to Christ for the first time. Are you, am I making sense? That there's harvest points in our life. And that's what this is all about, Lord. Use me for your glory today. I, it's so boring being a Christian if, if all I'm doing is, is going through the motions. I want to be in touch with you. I want, to, I want to be actively in touch with you so that you can use me. I can be an influence. I can be a, a love. I can be a help. I can be an encouragement. I can be a joy to, to somebody. A lot of times, though, if we're not in touch with the Lord, we're so consumed with wanting to eat we're so consumed with wanting to take care of that thorn, that thistle, whatever it is we're trying to do, that the harvest point is right next to us, and we're, we just walked right by it. We, we, we missed it, you know, because there's harvest points all around us. There's blueberry clumps all around us. I mean, they're not everywhere, but you come up on them quite frequently. You understand? I think that's what, the, that's what Jesus is trying to show these disciples. Guys, the harvest all around us. Look, don't you see them coming? It says that Jesus stayed in the town for two days and the people believed in him. 
They gave their lives to him. The Samaritans, the half-breeds, the no-good, dirty, rotten Samaritans. <laughs> well, that's why I've been praying. And, you know, Lord, use me for your glory. I hope you are too, Lord. Use me for your glory. Keep my eyes open, you know. And keep my ears open that I can help you and that I can feel like I'm doing your will and finishing your work for my life. You know why we're not dead yet? You know why you're not dead yet? The work's not done. That's truth. I believe in a God like that. When my work's done, he'll, he'll take me home. My work's not done. So I need to keep my eyes open, my ears open, so I can be sure to try to add to the harvest. Amen? Let's stand together. Lord, as we, uh, as we prepare to leave today, oh God, in this day and age, Lord, when it seems like things are more chaotic than ever, so chaotic and there's oh there's so much that is um, that is pressuring us these days to uh, be chaotic as well that we need we need to be used by you we need to have a clear uh, uh, understanding we need to be able to hear you hear your truth and and hold your truth close to our hearts so that we don't fly apart either we need to Lord follow the your you're leading to repent where we need to repent and to obey where we need to obey and Lord and and to act and to give and to serve where you show us that uh, those harvest points are Lord sometimes I think that we don't think that we matter that much to your work and oh how how deceived we are Lord that uh, we do matter that you have a purpose for each one of us here today that you want to use us Lord if we we just open our eyes if we just open our ears, that you can show us how we can be a blessing in our own unique way, according to our own personalities, how we can be a blessing and a help and maybe a, a saving rope to someone around us, a savior to someone around us. Lord, I pray today that we will continue this passion of asking you every day to use us for your glory. I'd like to just close today by saying if that is your passion, would you just uh, say a loud amen with me? Amen. And the Lord bless you and keep you. Let's go home. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you.